You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom. Welcome back to another fine episode of Bloom and Tech. I am here today to talk a little bit about esports as cultural happening and the transformation in the business. I had uh, much reason to kick around some of this stuff this week. I was at the VRTL Summit Thursday, did a panel, which I'll also share with you in a separate episode with the head of digital for Warner Brothers. But there was also a conversation between five top guys who are in the business of esports. At the same time, uh, we had a big uh, gamer festival this weekend at in Atlanta, the DreamHack Atlanta Gamer Festival. With that festival, esports is making a better and better case as a fan-friendly, fast-growing entertainment option, capturing the attention from young audiences who care less and less about traditional sports. And part of what's driving that shift is a growing industry awareness that it needs to make its live events better for all the thousands and thousands of fans who show up. The shift isn't that different from what's happened in recent years with traditional major sports leagues, such as the fan experiences in villages the NFL does around the Super Bowl and the NBA does with its All-Star game. It's an important next step in the sports maturation and another way it can generate revenues and enduring fan engagement. For DreamHack Atlanta, the event's Stockholm-based parent company partnered with Subnation as the tournament's official cultural experience partner. To flesh out the festival's experience, Subnation is bringing in live music, tech showcases, experiential marketing activations, content from such adjacent subcultures as street art, fashion, sneaker collectors, and more. Subnation will run the after-party at the end of the weekend, starring rapper YFN Lucci. Partners include Red Hat, the Linux software company just scooped up by IBM for $34 billion, and Amazon-owned Twitch, the center for uh, online streaming of gameplay, uh, pretty much dominates that space. Red Hat will be part of the DreamHack Bring Your Own Computer LAN party area and run an IT help desk to help participants troubleshoot their technical problems. Subnation's also partnering with computer headset maker Plantronics on a charity event at DreamHack, with proceeds going to Gamers Outreach, which provides gamer gear on mobile carts for patients in children's hospitals. Tom Flanagan, who's the chief content and innovation officer at Subnation, said hundreds of millions of young people around the world are shaping a new future that's no longer bound by traditional views on what counts as a sport, an athlete, or even what a video game player is. I think he's right about that. His point, and it's certainly one that Subnation is busy trying to make happen, is that now is the time for brands to get on board this train, to stop resisting, overanalyzing, or sitting on the sidelines and watching as it begins to take off. It's not just DreamHack that's buffing up the fan experiences at its events. Over two weekends last winter at Katowice, Poland, for instance, 160,000 people showed up for the Intel Extreme Masters Championships for far more than tournaments in several major game platforms. E3 partnered with Subnation last summer for similar art, fashion, music, brand events, including an after-party that featured Deadmau5, the electronic music star. All that said, it's not just a better live event that's fueling esports growth. That VRTL Summit panel talked about some of those factors. They said, and it's an interesting history for those of you who don't really know it, esports took off in earnest a few years ago as streaming video made it a regular part of the viewing habits for millions of gamers trying to watch the best in the business. 
Among the people on the panel was Nate Nanzer, the commissioner of the Overwatch League, the next-generation esports league owned by Activision Blizzard, one of the biggest publishers in the world. It just finished its first season last summer, with finals broadcast on ESPN and city franchises on three continents. Until just a few years ago, esports tournaments tended to happen in isolation, handicapped by limited online bandwidth and few distribution options. Pioneers in the space began recording tournaments and overlaying audio after the fact, and posting those files online. Once streaming came along in earnest with outlets such as Twitch, the sport began to take off. Live events helped drive online tune-in and vice versa. Online popularity has helped drive more interest in the live events, just as it's worked for years and years with more traditional sports, that sort of virtuous cycle. Now an estimated 300 million people, slightly fewer than the entire U.S. population, watch esports events online, Nanzer said. And it's a much younger sport. Nanzer said the average age of a baseball fan is 58. An Overwatch fan, less than half that. Kent Wakeford, also on the panel, is the COO of an esports organization called Gen G Sports, who said the esports audience is even larger, roughly 360 million people this year, on target to hit 550 by the early 2020s. That outstrips the NHL in viewership and is on par with Major League Baseball. Live streaming has grabbed all the attention for understandable reasons, but pre-recorded and edited material about game topics and gameplay make up the second largest category of YouTube's two billion hours of video watched each day. The dollars involved in esports are still modest compared to overall game revenues. Analyst Nuzu puts at $137 billion the entire worldwide gaming business. Nanzer estimates that esports revenues are still less than $2 billion, what he called a rounding error compared to that bigger figure. But it's taking off, and for several reasons. The panelists on the VRTL Summit pointed to uh, such tidbits as the rise of college gaming. Now close to 100 universities are sponsoring esports teams, creating a college-level fan base for club teams, along with new ways to connect young fans with up-and-coming players and the brands that back them. And the athletic conferences with their media and brand relationships will bring another level of sophistication as major schools get involved. Sport is taking itself more seriously, too, and that helps with the optics when media start paying attention, as they are. Where five years ago, even the most successful teams lived like frat boys, and it was mostly boys or young men of 16 to 23 or so, in a single house uh, with uh, less than welcoming conditions. These days, the best players are making seven-figure incomes and leading much different lifestyles. Even mid-level pros are living better. Many teams provide health care, salaries, athletic trainers, and more professional living and working conditions. Among much else, that makes for more compelling behind-the-scenes stories for fans and aspirational players, all wanting to be part of the scene. Game publishers are now beginning to understand this nascent industry that they almost accidentally created. Publishers long considered esports tournaments as little more than marketing for their existing titles in the next iteration of that title. Now they get that esports can create new revenue streams, build long-term audience relationships, and expand their businesses in dynamic ways. Activision Blizzard's creation of the Overwatch League, with its city-based franchises, player salaries and benefits, and high-profile franchise owners is just one example. Traditional sports institutions are starting to understand the potential, too. The NBA, and this and many other areas, has been particularly forward-looking. Uh, NBA franchises such as the Dallas Mavericks and Philadelphia 76ers are among those investing in esports teams and franchises. The business also is rapidly evolving and iterating. 
As a whole, it incorporates new technologies, business models, distribution platforms, and more seemingly every year, generally with the intent to improve the experience for viewers and players. The Overwatch League, for instance, tweaks game character capabilities on a monthly basis, Nanzer said. That subtly affects team strategies and what the fans see. When's the last time baseball significantly changed its rules to improve the fan experience? They're also improving the broadcast ability of these tournaments. Too many games remain impenetrable to casual games. That's been a problem in some of the biggest competitions, such as Counter-Strike Global Offensive, a long, long time title that's much beloved by hardcore PC-based fans. But there are alternatives coming along, such as Rocket League, which is essentially soccer with rocket-powered cars. For newbie viewers, it's pretty easy to understand what's going on in Rocket League, trust me. I will say that this is a sport known for its approachability. Pro gamers and online streamers are far more accessible to fans than their equivalents in other sports. Streamers inter interact with fans as they're playing live on Twitch. And for the pros up on a stage, as Nanzer put it, you don't have to win the genetic lottery. You don't have to be six foot nine with 5% body fat. And that's why Ninja, the Fortnite star, is so popular. So I've got a recording of that conference uh, panel, if you want to listen to it. It's up next. Nate Nanzer, the Overwatch League commissioner, is on it. Kent Wakeford, the COO of Genji Sports. We've got uh, Chris Heatherly from NBC Universal, their executive vice president of games and digital platforms. And Stephen Ellis, who is a former League of Legends star, now retired in his mid-20s, trying to figure out if he can get in, in on a uh, Masters League of gamers and uh, has been an advisor on gaming stuff to Facebook. And finally, all that, the uh, panel was uh, moderated by Mike Vorhaus, the president of Maggot Advisors, and somebody who follows the space pretty carefully. Give it a listen.
So that's our episode today. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys tuning in, sharing. Send me a note if you have something to say. I'm a big fan of games myself. I've followed the business for a couple of decades now. Back in the day, I had a Pong set when I was a kid, and I've written about the business since the late 90s. It has transformed in fascinating ways and continues to do so. I'll be interested to see what you guys think about this. Send me a note if you'd like. Share, please. Um, what uh, you think of where the business is going, whether esports is going to be a big deal. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is David Bloom, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. <laughs>